welcome to Blue Bloods College Game Time. A true blue pod production. Quarterback draw. He's got a run through. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of blue bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends. Man, I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Man, I love college. Yes, sir. Welcome to the first ever episode of Blue Bloods College Game Time, a true Blue Pod production. I am Trey Smith. And I am Brandon Holmes. Welcome to the College Sports Podcast for the fans, by the fans. Trey, we are here. It's, it, it's time, man. We are here. It is time. I'm not quite sure what took us so long to get to this point, but we got everything college sports college football just got kicked off yesterday yes, week zero before we get to those games be Holmes, i gotta tell you something man okay i don't know okay. if you've uh, i don't know if you've been on twitter in the last uh 12 hours or so maybe nonstop, maybe nonstop. 18 hours 24 hours but i have seemed to trigger the state of iowa um, oh goodness what happened particularly the iowa state fan base Go so Cyclones. yesterday and the craziest thing is, I, I, I didn't even mean to. I just, I saw a random tweet on my Twitter scroll mm-hmm. that said, uh, for what it's worth, I'm hearing that if Iowa State and Iowa both look good in week one, there's a very strong chance that college game day will be in Ames September 11th. And I just hmm. responded, it'd be a crime for college game day to not be in Fayetteville on September 11th. Those of you that don't know listeners, I am a diehard Arkansas Razorback fan. And on September 11th, Arkansas renews our old school Southwest conference rivalry with the Texas Longhorns. And I just thought, Hey, that, that would be a great game for college game day to go to. It, it, it it brings back an old school rivalry. So I I agree. I didn't, I didn't bash anybody. I didn't, I just said, said my take. Right, well, right. apparently this person I responded to, who I had never heard of, has like 30,000 followers and is apparently a big <laughs> media guy for Iowa State. And okay. he hits me back and says, let's see. Did he delete it? Okay, no, I was about to say, you, oh, you can't say, do that. Wow. Hold on, I'm trying to pull it up. Oh, he says, uh, Arkansas is a combined 7-27 and 27 over the last three seasons. Fair. Fair. That's the only real crime I see here. So I thought, whoa, okay, I didn't shade your team. I didn't, right. you know, I didn't come in here bashing Iowa State. <laughs> yeah. Right. So then I just responded. I said, and there, and I missed, I, uh, I, misused the uh form i I used the wrong form of there okay Okay. and the entire iowa state fan base let me know of that um (laughs) so i said and there they are instead of t-h-e-i-r game against texas basically i was saying an arkansas game against texas will still be a bigger draw than iowa isu because nobody outside of the state of iowa cares about iowa isu i don't care how bad texas or how bad arkansas are if they're both one and oh in an early season matchup 
an old Southwest Conference rivalry that basically they've played once or twice a decade since 1989. Like, that's right. going to be a draw for fans, period. Like, yeah. that's a fact. That's not me but being the a brands homer. Are just, the brands are just way bigger, bro. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, anyways, that set off a firestorm where it was weird because it's it it's probably how people feel when they start going viral where like their mentions and their their everything just starts <laughs> blowing up it, yeah. it became out of control with people and here's what's crazy most of them were commenting on my misuse of the word there and i started thinking you know what if they're that focused on my mistype on that tweet then they must then realize the that then i'm telling the truth that's exactly right you Don't know it's kind of like uh uh, I remember back in the day, we'd be playing video games and I, I had a couple friends that were really good athletes, like much better than me, but I was better than yeah. them at video games and I'd be killing them on like Sega or, or Dreamcast or something like right. that. And then all of a sudden, one of them would be like, you can't do that in real life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they want to turn it into this. So y'all want to knock my grammar. So anyways, I, uh, I just, I just posted, man, I, I think I struck a chord with the Cyclone Nation. And, and as you know, like I've barely been back on Twitter a month yeah. and I've already got a whole fan base ready to I get I love me. it though. See, I don't know. Have you ever been to Ames? No. Okay, I have. Actually, down, shout out to Iowa State. They have beautiful facilities. First off, their track okay. is amazing. It's a 300 meter indoor track. One of my favorite places okay. to run. And um, they are diehard there. They are diehard. But when you think about it, there's nothing else to be diehard about in Iowa. <laughs> Either you're a Hawkeyes fan or you're a Cyclones fan. And I think... I, you struck a nerve probably because Iowa State is finally feeling this feeling of superiority because they're finally good for the first time ever, not realizing that's about to end in about a year when Michigan fires Jim Harbaugh and brings in Matt Campbell. So let them have their I mean, moment, bro. <laughs> I, I also, <laughs> what I started realizing is that they're finally good. They're finally a conference favorite. And... OU and Texas they're leaving are about to ruin the conference they're leaving they're leaving so the conference that they've finally gotten to a point where they're the leader of is about to no longer be a conference and I didn't think about that last night until after I thought you know what they're probably just really emotional and very sensitive right now I'm wondering why they didn't get an invite to the SEC um no they just they, they, so no, no no one wants Iowa State I'm sorry like and, I, and I've heard all the talks, and I know this isn't a realignment conversation, but, you know, everyone said, oh, maybe they'll go to the Big Ten. The Big Ten does not. <laughs> Iowa State does nothing for anybody's brand. That's a, a real legitimate contender in Power Five. And if we're really talking about a Power Five conferences, only two conferences matter. That's the SEC and the Big Ten, and nobody wants Absolutely. And and then don't even get it started if we want to start talking other sports like basketball and baseball and if we want to start comparing histories when it comes to Arkansas and Iowa State I'm not even going to put them I'm not even going to put them in the same sentence like that (laughs) but um, I do I do um, want to get to week zero here because we had a couple games yesterday a couple you know couple Power Five teams uh, playing we actually had a Big Ten conference game I know you're a Big Ten guy. Big, uh, big Michigan guy. So, did you watch the uh, Illinois Nebraska game? Of course, man. You know, there's there's conference implications on the line, and it was a uh, I always butcher his name, Brett Bielema. Um, Bielema. It was good. Bielema. It was good to see him back in the Big Ten. Man, he's a Big Ten guy. His personality, his style of coaching. Um, he's a. I think he's from Wisconsin. He's like a Midwest guy. So I definitely watched that game. 
it's either uh, Iowa or Kansas. So he he because I know he um he might actually be from Illinois. B. Okay, yeah, he's a Midwest he, guy. He's a Midwest guy. He's a Hayden Fry coaching tree. I mean, look, being an Arkansas Razorback, we're very familiar with Brett Bielema. So go ahead. Right. Yeah. And so we, I, I wanted to see that, but here's the thing I really cared about is Scott Frost. Man, we everyone's been saying um, he's the prodigal son. He's going to bring back Nebraska back to the glory days. And this is the thing that really upsets me about Scott Frost personally. Everyone likes to compare him to Jim Harbaugh, right? And so even mm. last night on Twitter, everyone's like, oh, Scott Frost is just Jim Harbaugh with less talent. And I I looked at the research, and a couple guys I follow on Twitter are like, Scott Frost will have to go 37-1 and over his next 38 games to even compare his record to Jim Harbaugh's. So mm. I want to just throw that out there. He's not close. <laughs> but everyone's been talking about this is the year Nebraska comes. I feel like we've been hearing that since Scott Frost came in and took over from Bo Pelini is this is the year Nebraska gets it. And I don't think it's ever going to happen. And I think, and I want to know what you think, how hot does Scott Frost's seat have to be right now? Because not only did you lose a conference game, which you guys are in the, I believe they're in the same division. I would have to go relook at it. But not on top of that, you lost to a first, this is his first game at Illinois. And mm-hmm. he didn't even have his, not his people, none of his recruits, none of that. And you almost got blown out of the water if it wasn't for some like last minute uh, touchdowns. Oh, and, and you may be more familiar with this than I am, but is Nebraska's AD, is this his first year right now? No. Didn't, so I think what's his face left the, the former one or am I, am I getting something mixed up? So no, no. Yeah. It's uh, the time. So he's like, I think like four or five years because the new a Tom Herman was the AD. That's the guy who brought in Bo, Bo, Tom Osborne. Herman. Yeah. Tom Osborne. Why I say Herman? That's the coach. Tom Osborne. Oh, Osborne. Thank you. Tom Osborne was the AD. The year before Bo gets let go, he brought in a new guy. And I actually just listened to this podcast, Bussin' with the Boys, and they had Bo, and Bo actually just talked, like, literally just yesterday, so you didn't know I listened to it. Um, and Bo talked about how this new AD that's there now was very standoffish and not relational well, and kind of wanted to bring his thing in. Was that Bill Moose? Because I, I, I'm telling you, he retired, I think, at the end really? of June. Okay, so then the, maybe it's a yeah. new guy. It is yeah. a new guy. You are right. It's uh, let me see if I can pull it up here. It's Trev Alberts. So yes, who, who basically just took the job? I think in mid July. You're right. You're I right. mean, I knew he this was like fresh on. off the. So yes, so, July fourteenth. So to me, that's a very difficult thing to do to come in your first year. I mean, I guess it could go either way, but you come in as an AD and do you fire the football coach right off the bat? He's kind of got a free pass right now because he's not hitched to Frost. Now, exactly. whoever he hires, that's what his job essentially will be, you know, contingent on is how well his next hire is. But I don't know. To answer your question, how hot is Frost's seat have to get? I mean, it's can it get any hotter at this point? I mean, barring a massive turnaround to finish out this season, man, I, I just I don't know how he survives it, but I also know that Nebraska, it's a different culture. Whether they go 0-10 or 10-0, they're going to have you know 90,000 at Lincoln Memorial Stadium yeah. week Every in week. and week out. Like They support their team. They support their own. And being that Frost is, I mean, he is, he is the, the, the golden boy of right. Nebraska, Nebraska glory. I don't know. What I want to ask you about, B. Holmes, 
is, is it just me or is Michigan football becoming the farm system for the rest of the Big Ten as far as players? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Talk about that for a second. Yeah, and that was another reason why I watched the game. So, um, Illini, Illinois starting quarterback Brandon Peters was Michigan Harbaugh. John, Jim Harbaugh's first quarterback recruit that he signed. Um, Oliver Martin obviously played there. There's some other guys that sprinkled through the mix. And I, here's the thing. So, one, I'm glad to see these guys doing well. Brandon went out in the first quarter with a shoulder injury, and hopefully he's well because he came back for a sixth year. Right. But this is – I I'm not the guy that hates when guys transferred, right? Because being a, a former college athlete, I understand you have to find what fits you. This sure. is where it, it, it hurts me, though. Sometimes when you do see the guys do well, like Oliver looks great at Nebraska. I think he's going to have a big year for Nebraska. Is that he the receiver? Like the receiver, yeah. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, yeah that guy. He, he looked like he was Martinez's favorite receiver. And yeah. we would hear these things about Oliver at Michigan – um, but the thing is, he came in with a stacked class. It was Donovan People jones Tariq Black, Nico Collins. All these guys got drafted in the NFL, and Oliver was number four. So, I mean, I do think, you know, a lot of teams do kind of poach. Like, Michigan State just poached Alex Van Sermeren, who's a linebacker from Michigan this year, which I don't understand why you go to Little Brother, but that's fine. So, mm. yeah, I, I do agree. A lot of Big Ten teams do come um, find Michael Dormafor at Rutgers, what came from Michigan. So they do, man. You know, Michigan, and that's the thing. And we're, this isn't a Michigan top talk right now, but I will say this. Michigan always has talent, right? It's just right. can we get these guys to perform to their talent level? Because as we saw even the, even in another game, Zach Charbonnet at UCLA was in the Michigan running back room last year. Um, yep. So I, I believe, you know, one, it's an ode to Michigan. We do not a recruit. We do not a good talent. It's just we don't put all the pieces together. And that's the thing I kind of want to see. So basically yesterday, just correct me if I'm wrong, but we had a quarterback for Illinois. Yes. We had a receiver for Nebraska. Yes. So that's Big Ten. That's in conference. And then we had the running back in the UCLA game. Yes. That's all Charbonnet. former Michigan players. All former Michigan players that balled out. Was that the running back that UCLA had that busted off that, I don't know, had to have been yeah. a 60, 70 yarder, ran through half the Hawaii like defense half the Hawaii on his way team. To the end he ran zone. for like six touches, 106 yards, and like two touchdowns. Man, glad to see Zach. I mean, Zach was a top 100 recruit. Glad to see him performing. And I understood. So I'll, when it comes to Brandon Peters, he left, and I remember this because we brought in Shea Patterson. Mm-hmm. Um, which I actually wasn't really high on at the time. I really liked Brandon and what he had. Uh, Oliver and I think Zach were just the results of crowded rooms. Oliver obviously was like number five under three guys who were going to get drafted. And then same with Zach. There's a crowded, there was a crowded running back room. And then you're bringing in the number like four running back in the country. Man. Well, I'll tell you what, hearing all that transferring, it, it make takes me back to my college days because I, I was not like you. I was not a, a, a collegiate athlete or a division one athlete, but I do feel like for me, where I can really identify with today's student athlete at the collegiate level is when I was an undergrad, like I got really good at using the transfer portal. Right. So, (laughs) I mean, like, in fact, they should probably name the transfer portal after me because of how many times I transferred in route to an undergrad degree. So anyways, moving on to that, let's, let's talk about that Hawaii UCLA. I mean, Chip Kelly coming into this year, I feel like it was a make or break year for him. Absolutely. he put on a show yesterday. You got to give it to him, right? He did. He did. And and I think, you know, um, the Pac-12 was wide open, right? I don't I don't know if you feel that way. If there's anybody you feel like, oh, this is this is their conference. I mean, maybe Oregon, but I, I mean, how good are they? I don't I don't know. You don't know. And I think 
so this was I think it was a good thing for us to see UCLA yesterday. They got a good warm up because this this week they have LSU right DBU. Now the thing yes. that has me concerned about what I saw yesterday with UCLA is the quarterback uh, DTR. I love him. He was originally supposed to come to Michigan with his teammate. Mm. Like it was a really big deal, and he switched when Chip Kelly went to UCLA, and so we lost out on that. Um, if he can't figure it out, it's going to be a long day because I don't care what ever happened to LSU during a COVID year. LSU is always LSU, and one thing I think you might agree, and I love to hear your opinion on is, you know, it's like LSU always has a great defense. It's always been the offense trying to catch up. So what did you think after, like, watching UCLA yesterday? Especially, do you think Chip has finally gotten these guys ready to roll? I think the yesterday, I didn't really watch. Like I said, I wasn't really on the edge of my seat watching that game. I was flipping back and forth between that and the Nebraska-Illinois game. Right. I think the thing that uh, stuck out to me the most about the UCLA-Hawaii game was that Chip Kelly was wearing his visor again. And, yeah. you know, when he wore his visor <laughs> at Oregon, like, he was pretty unstoppable. And so right. now at UCLA, I'm not sure what took him so long to, to pull the to pull the visor out. Maybe a UCLA fan who's a listener could look at the tapes and see if he's been wearing it the last couple of years. But I saw on Twitter that he um, he, he was wearing his visor for the first time as a UCLA coach. And at that moment, wow. I thought, okay, it's, it's time. The it's mad time. scientist is back the mad scientist is back. And so I, I don't know. I think that, uh, Hawaii there, you know, Todd Graham's in his second year, um, you know, looking at his history, he will probably build them up to a respectable Absolutely. team. I agree. But I, I mean, Chip Kelly, their offense was rolling. Their offense was clicking the little bits that I saw their defense was playing well, but yeah, right. next week it's, it's going to be the it's real test game. to see how they fare against, uh, LSU. But Hey, let let's 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 move on here. Um, obviously, week zero. It's it's kind of just the uh, it's the precursor. It's the appetizer. Appetizer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to the rest of the college football season. Um, but what I want to talk about is really the namesake of this show, right? We're called Blue Bloods College Game Time, and Blue yes, Bloods. Sir. Anyone who knows anything about college sports knows that a blue blood is referring to the traditional, you know historical programs that that really are the foundation of college football that year in and year out they're going to have talent you mentioned that about Michigan a second ago they would be considered right. a football blue blood and so yes. i want to kind of kick him kick back and forth the conversation with you about what if we take out the universal sort of agreed upon blue bloods currently in college football if we took those out or we did not include those, who would your next five in be to be considered mm. a college football blue blood? And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you real quick who we are not allowed to say. I got I'm okay. gonna have five, you have five, we're gonna kick it back and forth. This could get interesting because once we yeah. each get to that fourth and fifth one, we're probably gonna tricky. have very similar lists for one through four. One and so but here's the teams we cannot say. We cannot say Michigan, who you've mentioned already. Okay. Go blue. We cannot say Alabama, Notre Dame, okay. OU, Ohio State, or USC. So if you're listening right now at home or you're listening right now on the treadmill or you're listening right now while you're doing yard work or you're listening right now on your way to work, play along with us. Think about who your college football blue bloods would be not including Alabama, Michigan, Notre Dame, OU, Ohio State, or USC. There's a couple of different lists out there, right. but those, what is it, Are six teams, 
were yeah. on every list. Now you might Dickens. see some crossover. So I want to know, B Holmes, who your five are. I, I've got a list here, and I, I know I'm not going to be able to say all the ones on my list because you're probably going to take some. But yeah, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. I'm going to let you go first because when we get to basketball season and we do this for basketball teams, I'm going first. So I'm going to oh, let definitely. you go first for football okay. season. Okay, okay. Actually, before we definitely need to tweet this question out. But I, I'm going to go say, man, my first one, you know, and I talked about them earlier in the podcast, and they're playing UCLA next week. It's LSU, man, and here's why. Okay. Um, and when I say Blue Bloods, I think about the whole thing that the program, I'm talking stadium, I'm talking history, games, players, et cetera, national brand, right? So this is why I say LSU. Death Valley is one of the most difficult places to play in the country. I don't know if you've ever been to a game in Death Valley. It is not fun if you're the opposing team. I love it. Um, also, LSU has won a total of 812 games, right? Four national titles. And then they have put over the last, um, since 2005, this is why they're called DBU, 18 defensive backs alone, and LSU also currently leads the country with 40 active players on NFL rosters. And I don't think you can mm. ever go in a time where you're not finding LSU guys in the league. So that's why LSU is my number one on this one. Mm. Okay, I like it. Um, I actually grew up going to Arkansas versus LSU the day after Thanksgiving. They used to play D-Mac. every year the day after Thanksgiving, and and then they yep, D Mac was a part of that. Matt Jones before that, Miracle on Markham. I was there. Yeah, uh, they play in Little Rock when the years they were in uh, Arkansas. But you you got a taste even even with them on the road of how well they traveled. I mean, you you got a taste of of just how rabid that fan base is. So, um. My number one, though, or not number one, but my number one for the for this list's sake, um, I, I'm gonna go with Nebraska because for mm. me, it's it's a little personal because when I first started coming to the age as a young kid, where I really was in tune with college football and like really being able to remember the players and, and yeah. knowing who was who, Nebraska was just that team. It was the Tommy Frazier, uh, Lawrence Phillips kind of era. And I, I remember just always looking forward to seeing them play and they would just dominate teams with a power run, triple option, yeah. veer based offense. Tom Osborne was just this icon over on the sidelines and, uh, you know, they ended up winning three national titles in the 90s. And that was, you know, that was the heart of my childhood right, right there. And so it's like right. they were always there, always in the mix. And I think even if you look at the history prior to that window of time, I mean, the 80s and 70s, like Tom Osborne, they were winners. And they were yeah, always... They were they were always in the mix. And I just, I mean, I don't have all the NFL and all this, you know, the, all the different statistics. I just think when, when I think of college football history, I, I always think of Nebraska. So they're, they're definitely, uh, will be my first pick for a blue blood outside of the. I like that. I could, I could deal with that. Shout out and Dominican Sue and Eric Crouch. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of those guys. All right, so I, I I'm gonna go into my number two. I'm gonna actually stick in the SEC here, man, which is okay. so weird because I cannot stand the SEC. But Not um, my next pick, my my next pick will be, and I know a lot of people might slight me on this. Shout out to my man Jaron Prince, but UGA, man, University of Georgia, and here's okay. here's why, right? They're one of the most winningest programs as well. They have a total of 831 wins. Um, now they only have this is the problem right they only have one national title um, they only have one Heisman Trophy win, winner but this is why I say UGA every year UGA everyone says this is going to be their year 
is this the year UGA crosses the line? Is this the year UGA goes? Is this the year UGA goes? And they're always competitive. Mm. And I would dare to say this, like they travel well, they have a good national brand, the Bulldogs are dope, playing in between the hedges is amazing. And then Mm. I think, you know, they just have been unfortunate to be on the other side of Nick Saban, the Bama years, the Urban Meyer, Florida years, and Mm -hmm. then, you know, the Les Miles sprinkled in their LSU years. But they've always been... Bobby Petrino at Arkansas Yeah, the Arkansas. And like, it's, it's always, it's like there's always somebody in their way but they're always there for competition when it's time to win a game so UGA would be kind of somebody I think could could sneak in off the off the back end okay I mean I think if I were to dispute that like if I were to were to pose a counter argument I feel like if if you put UGA in you almost have to put a team like Auburn in because I feel like both those resumes are very similar um very that that could be an argument Argument for another day. Um, I agree. Let's see if I'm gonna go number two. Man, I'm 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 gonna go with the U. I'm going with Miami Ooh, for my number two. Um, good one. I, I know that historically speaking, their history didn't really start till the '80s. Right. But first off, if you disagree with me, go watch the U part one and part two, the Thirty for Thirty documentaries, and then Incredible. let's talk. After watching that, if you still disagree with me. First of all, I don't know if I can have a conversation with you, but second of all, like, cause that should do it for you. But here, here's, here's the thing. I feel like what we're seeing out of Bama over this last decade to decade Mm -hmm. and a half of just pure dominance, but not just on the field, but in the draft, like, yes, that was Miami. Like Miami was that before Bama was. And I think you saw particularly in the early 2000, like kind of from 2000 to 2002. But even in the 80s, you saw glimpses of that. They were considered the team of the 80s. Right. I just feel like that with the history they have, they had coaching changes. They had different players year in and year out, different first round talent year in and year out. And I think that 2002 team might still have the record for like most accumulation of first round draft picks on one roster. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's incredible. Um, So for me, I I think if we're talking blue bloods outside of the ones we've already named, like I think Miami has to be on that list. So that's my number two. So if you're keeping score at home, we've got Brandon with LSU and Georgia and I got Nebraska and Miami. Shout out to the U. But you know what? Since since you're in the Sunshine State, let me let me stay right there. Um, I'm gonna go ahead, man. My next one and uh man, rest in peace to the dead, the great Bobby Bowden. I gotta go with mm. Florida State, man. I gotta go with Florida State. And and here's why, right? I mean, obviously Bowden didn't come in, I think, till till the seventies. Um, but man, if you think about it, he brought in the national title in ninety three and ninety nine. And back then there was no playoff and all this other stuff. So right. it's, it's really hard to dictate who was really a national champion. But then Jimbo Fisher brings one in two thousand thirteen. Uh Seminoles they have eighteen conference championships. A nine consecutive, right? From ninety two to two thousand. Right. Mm. So that's that's Bobby. And then you have three Heisman Trophy winners, Charlie Ward. Shout out to Charlie Ward. Probably the only dude who's ever won a Heisman and played in the NBA finals. Then you got Chris Winkie, and then you got Jameis Winston. And then I think about everything, not just the players, man. You think about the tomahawk chop. You think about the the spear at at the center of the of the logo when the guy walks out, you know, during the mm-hmm. thing. I think Florida State just has this pageantry, the the tomahawk pride stickers on the back of their helmets. I mean, like, I think everything about when Florida State is doing well, it is like you love Florida State. 
you know, and there's there's those guys you haven't thought about, Peter Warwick, and I mean, it's, yeah, it's a Peter Warwick, and then all everybody uh-huh. else has come through there, man. It's just some some great players that have come through Florida State, some great memories of Florida State, and like you said, with the U, Florida State versus the U, man, that's just great. I mean, Bobby's really yes. two wide lefts away from potentially having a couple more national championships. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, if we're talking about legendary head coaches and, and kind of being the the foundation for establishing a program into a blue blood university, I, I've got to take my next one to Penn State with uh, Coach Paterno. Um, I mean, my goodness, what, 40, 40, 45 years, years I think. I think from Good like football. 1966 to 2011. And really in that 40-some-odd-year window – there was only like a four-year window where they 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 weren't having like nine to eleven win seasons. Um, right, right. Like like they they had. I, I it's kind of in that early to mid two thousands. But I mean, you look at the total track record. Now, sure, he wasn't just winning national championship after national championship, but he was always in the hunt. Mm. Um, and he won, I think, two of them plus some Big Ten titles. I, I just think that. You know, obviously they got they had their scandal situation. Right. And I think to me what kind of helped the university and the football program stand the test as a blue blood is O'Brien came in for a couple of years and sort of restabilized things through the sanctions. And yep. then they hired Franklin and all He's of a sudden a then they're back to, you He's know, what I would consider an elite program. Um, obviously they haven't gotten over the hump to the CFP, but that's because they got another blue blood in their conference. That's been kind of that, uh, (laughs) but they have hit the new year's six. They have one new year's six bowl. In fact, they're, they're kind of a regular visitor to the new year's six bowl, new year six bowl games and winners of those. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go Penn State. So that's my yeah. number three. I like, and then, I mean, just to add on to that, Happy Valley, the whiteout at Happy Valley is mm. incredible, man. And then, listen, I live in Pennsylvania. So I've been to Penn State. It makes me even more impressed what he's able to do in Pennsylvania. Like, this is not a, mm-hmm. a fertile recruiting ground, you know? Um, and you're able to do that. So I like that. Um, I think my next one, man, I'm, I'm actually going to stay in the Sunshine State. And I'm going to go. UF Florida Gators, uh, man. Gator now, this, this is why, man. Gator Chomp. Um, over 700 wins in their program history. Um, now, over the last three year, 30 years, when we see a lot of their like recent success. So you got the, nat- the Natty in 96, 2006, and 2008. They had eight mm-hmm. conference championships. Um, Steve Spurrier, the you know, old ball coach. And then arguably you've had probably who's going to go down as one of the top five coaches of all time. And urban Meyer was there on, on yep. account. You got, you know, your national championships, you got your all conference, you have three Heisman trophy winners. And I mean, I know we talk about the U I know we talk about Bama, but man, those urban Meyer air, just that era in Florida was just, I, I, w- I would really argue to say if he did not retire, they were on their way to probably going on on a on a decade long run of just dominating college sports. And so I think when you think about that, and then arguably we're going to say I will say Tim Tebow is probably going to go down as one of the top five college football players of all time. Um, well, yeah, people I, I think that helps. he had Urban had Tim Tebow and Cam Newton on the same roster. I mean, that, that Chris, that's the level he was recruiting at. Right. And then, you know, and it, and I think even the guts were they had Chris Leak, who was the consensus number one all recruit, yeah. number one overall recruit. Shout out to Chris Leak, one of my favorite players um, who came in. And then you had the, the guts to also play 
Tim Tebow in that, and just the the talent yeah. on the Percy Harvin. I mean, and I had a friend that played mm. at Florida State, and he played them in that era. And I remember asking him, I was like, "How was that plan?" He goes, "He goes, man, playing Tim Tebow and those guys in real life was the most scariest thing ever because everything mm. you saw on the video game happened in real life." He's like, "They were just <laughs> that good." So that Florida would be my number four for sure. Okay, well, uh, if you're going Florida, I'm gonna go to my home state and I'm gonna go with the university of Texas. Um, I know that's one of the more polarizing picks for a a, a list like this, but there are actual probably blue bloods lists out there that would include Texas as a part of it. I mean, they were very uh, dominant in the Southwest conference. Um, won national titles. Obviously they had the Vince young, Mac Brown had a pretty dominant run. I think that that's a place that if you get the right coach in there, you're always going to be able to recruit that top end talent. Yep. You just need someone that can develop it and translate it to the field. And so, I, I mean, historically, money wise, just um, you know, the Longhorn. I, the I am not a Texas fan. Obviously, I'm a Razorback fan. I'm very much looking forward to them coming up to Fayetteville in a couple weeks. But I mean, just being objective for the sake of this argument in these lists. I got to put the Texas Longhorns as my number four. So real quick, before we get to number five, let's recap. You've gone LSU, Georgia, Florida State, Florida, and I've got Nebraska, Miami, Penn State, Texas. So Brandon, yes. like, who, who's left? This is this is it. I think I'm going to shock some people with my last one. I, I definitely I'm do. I'm definitely going to shock some people with my last one, unless you I take it. I can believe you will. No, I, I think you might have more shock value because you really think about these things. But uh, <laughs> this is where I'm going to pull in on number five, man. And people are going to say, no, but listen, just hear me out. I'm going to say my number five is U-Dub, Wisconsin, man. This is why I'm going to say this, right? Badgers, listen here, are only one of 26 programs that have won 700 games in their entire program history. Now, Camp Randall Stadium is amazing, right? There's, it's, it's amazing, the jump-around tradition between the fourth quarter. Um, you think of they have 14 conference championships, one natty, two Heisman Trophy winners. Now, And this is what I'll say, right? And then I'm done. I'll be quiet. I won't get on my, on my soapbox about UW. But th- this is why I think so. UW has culminated success with knowing exactly what they're going to do year in and year out. You know, when I go to Camp Randall or when they come, they're going to line up, they're going to smash us in the mouth, and they're going to try to control the pace of the game through defense and running the football. And they have been doing that as long as I've been around, which is 32 years. And yet, consistently, every year, you're going to get about an eight to nine win season. And then every now and then they get that magic run where they have the great running back or they have the great running back and quarterback. And then they're going to go off on a Big Ten title run or compete and then go play in the New Year Six Bowl and then compete with those guys in the SEC or wherever else they're playing. You know, when I think about Wisconsin, like you could almost make an argument that those teams are built similar to those 90s Nebraska teams I was talking about, just minus the triple option element. But as far yeah. as the power run, line them up and hit you in the mouth, uh, playing base defense, but just real Absolutely. strong and physical up front. So I, I, I could see that. I, I see what I, you're, what you're, where you're going with. Yeah, that I like that. I, I like, I like that. I think that was a good pick. And what, and if you can be objective, you, you'd see why I picked Wisconsin. But I'm interested to hear who you have last. Well, not well, last. I mean, but this is your last entry. There's pretty much no teams left. I mean, obviously, if I wanted to make an argument for a new money blue blood, I'd say Clemson because they have a right. little bit of history. And then you look at what Dabo's been able to do with them. But I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to yeah. go into the deep 
history books of college football. Okay. Okay. I'm going to take us back to where the foundation of college football that we know and love today, it was built on the shoulders of this program. If you think about what got this just monster of college football that we get to mm-hmm. enjoy every Saturday. It started with two teams. One of them was Notre Dame, who still is highly right. respected, who still has the same caliber athletes, who still is, right. is somewhat competitive year in and year out. But there's a team that right now would never get the credit of being a blue blood in today's landscape of college football because they'd never be able to get that caliber of athlete. However, okay. when I look at the history, Yes, they checked the Heisman Trophy winner box. Yes, they had back-to-back-to-back national champions. And that Mm -hmm. team, that program, is none other than the Army Black Knights. Let's Let's go. go. West Point. West Point, baby. You know, I like that. And here's the thing. Every... Let's not lie, right? All of us who are NCAA fanatics who have played the football game, we all <laughs> have tried to rebuild Army at some yes. point. You've tried to yes. rebuild the service academy. You know, matter of fact, shout out to my guy Lawrence Scott. He's a coach at West Point. But no, I, okay. I agree with that. I like that. Didn't Stahlbach come out of um, West Point? He was Navy. Navy. No. Okay. Okay. No, yeah, he was Navy. Nope. I'm sorry. He was Navy. He was Navy. Okay. But they've had some guy. Is it Bart Starr who came out of there? I can't remember. I can't was keep it? up. I'm not. I'm not Bart really Star? sure. There, but right. no, I'm with you on that. And in the Army Navy game, you're right. The pageantry of that, and it happens here in Philadelphia. So I've seen it for the last five years. It's incredible the draw that it brings. Like I did not think it would bring that many people until I lived here. Um, the pageantry of that game. I actually had a guy, a friend of mine. He's a um, young guy, man. He's like a little brother. He played at West Point. Yeah, I, I would give you that. I could give you that. I can actually see that, bro. That's a good pick. Bart Starr was a part of the Crimson Tide. He was an Alabama guy. Oh. So. Okay. Um, I don't know who played at Army, but people have played at Army. Glenn Davis, Shout the running out. back, was a dude that won, I believe he won the Heisman Trophy, yeah, back in the 40s. So that's how far back okay. in the history. That's how far Because I think it going. was 44, 45, and 46 when the Army when Army was either national champions um, or, or got a share of it. You know, obviously this was still when the, the pollsters were determining national champions. Determining but the national champion, yeah. I, I just kind of thought, how could I go outside the box? How could I pick someone that I knew you would not pick? And it was down Definitely for all my list was Army or Clemson. And Army, I knew I could make an argument from a historical standpoint. Clemson, I could make an argument from a sort of new money, recent history right, standpoint. Right. Hey, if you're listening right now and there's a team that needs to be on our list that we didn't think about, Shoot us an email, Twitter, hit man. us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at True Blue Pod. You can email us uh, at truebluepod at gmail.com. Connect yes, with sir. us, man. Let us know. But uh, B. Holmes, we've got a, a special segment we're going to end every episode with, and it's Let's come go. time for that. We're going to call it the True Minute, minute Drill. Drill. We each get a minute to just sound off on a particular topic, and that topic will change from week to week. Okay, this week's topic is what are you most looking forward to about week one, now that we're past week zero of the college football season. And I'll tell you what, we've got two rules. Okay, there's two rules for the true minute drill. You start on the whistle, you end on the buzzer. Simple as that. Start on the whistle, end on the buzzer. So whenever you're ready, let me know. 
All right, I'm ready, man. Let's get after it. Because I'm going to let you go first this week. And hey, sponsors, if you're listening, this is a segment that is open for business. If you want to sponsor the Blue Bloods College Game Time, True Minute Drill, holler at us. All right. We'll take it. Let's go. Give Here's me my the rules. signal. Start on the whistle, end on the buzzer. Yo, okay, so here's what I'm going to say, man. We're just going to go straight to it. One thing I love about hip-hop is you can consistently reinvent yourself. You can change your name. You can change your sound. You can change your image in hopes that that's going to deliver better results. What I'm hoping for in college football is that Michigan has finally done that. Jim Harbaugh has heard our call. He's installed the spread offense over the last two years. He went and got the prodigal son of Mike Hart. He brought in Ron Bellamy. He took the new, the new who's going to be the new defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens and Mike McDonald to put in a multiple-style defense that says, hey, the best players need to be on the field listen we've heard it all over before that this could be the year that could be the year but I truly believe that this facelift could be the start of something new because what we've always seen at Michigan and is good not good enough but I think it's time that Michigan is on their way to back to becoming great that's it I don't even need the whistle I've said what I had to say Jim Harbaugh let's make it happen go blue Yes, sir. Not bad, not bad, not bad. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. Yes. I need my whistle. Okay, it's pretty simple for me. The first thing I'm most excited about week one is the Razorbacks, 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 baby. Them hogs. Sam Pittman in year two. We got KJ Jefferson at the helm. We've got Malik Hornsby backing him up. K.J. Jefferson's coming in as the for-sure starter, but I think Malik Hornsby, if you live in Texas, you probably remember that name from when he played down in the Fort Bend area, went to back-to-back state champions against Alito, uh, or went to back-to-back state championships and lost against Alito, but the dude has wheels. K.J. Jefferson's been looking good in fall camp, looked good in the spring. I just want to see them. I hope we don't tank against Rice. Um, And then Georgia-Clemson, man. A week one matchup of Georgia and Clemson. I can't wait to watch that. The fact that we get five days of college football in a row. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a nightcap on Monday, Labor Day. It doesn't get any better than that. And then the last thing with my last few seconds that I have here is Jackson State playing at 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Dion Prime, Coach Prime. Let's go. I love it. Hey, shout out to Coach Prime, man. We need to get Prime on the podcast somehow. We definitely got to get Prime on the podcast. We got to get Prime on the podcast. Let's roll up on his ranch. I know it's somewhere around there in Texas. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I think I believe his son will be starting this season. And Yeah, I man. Mean, dude, I, I, I moved my fantasy league's uh, fantasy draft just to be able so I could sit and watch that game. Um, Listen, I'm, and I'm pumped for that, man. Last thing, I know we're about to get out of here, but I did see this bit today called The 12 Disciples. It's the 12 guys that left Division One colleges to come and work with Coach Prime to rebuild Jackson State and bring some notoriety to HBCUs. Um, mm. And one of them was his son, and then obviously you know, his other son committed to him as a quarterback. And so, man, I'm excited to see what Prime's going to do, man. HBCUs need some love, bro. They need some love. Absolutely. Well, that's all we got for this week. It's our first episode. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at True Blue Pod. You can follow me personally at It's Trey Smith. B. Holmes, where can they find you? You can follow me at 
at Real B Homes. That's H O L M E S. Connect with us, man, and make sure you subscribe, you like, you share, send it to a friend, coworker, your bae, whoever you want, man. Let's let's get this thing blown up. All right, college. next week, guys. Peace. Hey. College football. Hey. I love March Madness. Hey.